We are concluding our series on the power of words today. So we have been in a four-part sermon series, and this is part number four of that on the power of words. And uh, just to recap and get everyone back up to speed, uh, week number one, we talked about how words have the power to bring life or death. Our words can build people up or our words can tear people down. And we want to be people who speak life into others, that our words have power. And then we also looked at um, what, what about gossip? And we kind of tackled the tough issue of gossip. And then last week, we talked about forgiveness and the power behind the words of when we say, I forgive you or I am sorry. And so today, we are going to conclude this series on words that we should build our life with. What are those words? And what are the words that we should fill ourselves up with? And let me just do a spoiler alert here really quick. It is the Bible, in case you're wondering, you know. I didn't have anything else up here with me. Like, whoa, right? It is God's word. But over the course of history, men seldomly have been able to be trusted by their word. Our words um, have started senseless wars. They have enslaved people. They have caused divorce. They've caused loneliness, brokenness, and far more. And even the good that comes from our mouth oftentimes ultimately will just fade away and be forgotten. But we serve a God who will never disappoint us or fail us. We serve a God who calls sinners his friend, who calls them forgiven, chosen, beautiful, son or daughter. We need to become intimately familiar with God's written word, the Bible. And, you know, as I think about um, uh, the, the, the Bible, one main verse that sticks out in my head comes and from Isaiah 48. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. That it can be trusted because Man's word or, uh, can't be trusted over time. If you think back through history, there's been some things that we thought we could trust and we thought that was truth that actually ended up not being. Here's just a few to give an example. One is people thought at one point that the earth was at the center of the universe. We thought that was truth. Another one was washing your hands wouldn't prevent disease being spread. Third, at one point in time, we thought smoking was harmless, and doctors would smoke in hospitals. Fourth thing that we used to think was true, and we've come a long way, is that pineapples belong on pizza. <laughs> we've come so far, haven't we? It's amazing. But what we may think is true today may not be true tomorrow. What we thought was true yesterday ultimately may not be true five years from now. What we come up as human beings is fall fallible. What we come up with as human beings is oftentimes incorrect, has the wrong perspective, the wrong motive. But what we know of the word of God is that while those things may come and go, while some ideas may fade and wither away, that the word of our God stands forever. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. He will not fail. He will not disappoint. The truth that is found in Scripture will never cease to be relevant to our life and to our world and to the answer of the brokenness in humanity. There is nothing more than what I want to see as a pastor and many of us on staff and probably many of you here as well, is that what we want to see in people's lives is real and true transformation. What we want to see take place is that hearts are turned and that souls are one for the kingdom of God, that sinners say yes to Jesus and their eternity is in Christ alone. What we want to see is that people's minds would be renewed, hearts would be regenerated, souls would be forever transformed and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. What we want to see is real, tangible, lasting impact in a person's mind, heart, and soul and in their daily lives that is evident how they live, what they speak, and what they do. And I believe that this comes through the power of God's word to us. There's nothing more than what we want to see is transformation take place. And releasing the power of God's word in my life and in your life. There's nothing more than what we want. But the effectiveness of God's word in your life is up to you. There's nothing I can do up here that I could say that would change the power of God's word in your life if you, you don't make the choice to act upon it. It is your choice and not mine. Now, hopefully, maybe I can say something in a way that might inspire your heart to change, but ultimately, it's your choice of the effectiveness of God's word in your life. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever thought, like, why doesn't God's word, or why doesn't the scripture, why, don't, why doesn't my life actually feel any different? Why does God's word not actively work in my life? And I want to address that this morning, that I believe that God's word is active and can be active and in your life. And so if you have been following Jesus a while and you just feel like God's word is no longer active in your life, I believe that this morning, if you embrace a few things, that it can be. Those of you who are here that you just haven't even taken that first step of faith yet, I believe that this morning it can be. And you can take that step of faith where the power of God's word, his written word, can be activated in your life. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in in you who underline or highlight on your phone or whatever you want to do, those of you who believe. Believe. Do you believe? If you don't believe it, then it will not be at work in you and it will not be active. Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith, 
This is a personal choice. It is up to you how much you want to see God activate the power of his word in your life. You choose how much God will use you according to your faith. The writer of Hebrews wrote, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. The the writer of Hebrews says that there was a group of people who heard the same thing, but because they had no faith, it was meaningless to them. That means that what I could say up here or what you can hear, if you don't have faith and you don't choose to have faith, then it is meaningless. It won't be activated in your heart and in your life. You'll just continually go another day, another week, another month, and just go, why is God's word not working in my life? Big idea is that my faith releases the power of God's word in my life. My faith releases the power of God's word in my life. Not a really good sermon. Not a really interesting sermon. Not a sermon that just made you laugh, made you cry, made you feel good, encouraged you. Those are all good things. But it is my faith or your faith for your own personal life that releases the power of God's word in your life. But easier said than done, right? If you want to have it, you must value and combine it with faith. But this is hard to do. And you're probably thinking like, well, how do you combine faith with the word and obedience? I believe that we can make this really practical because I believe God works in simplicity and not in complexity, which means that I I don't believe that it's really difficult and you got to put some magic strings together and have the exact right thing. And then God's word works in your life. And if you just, you know, did the right thing, said the right prayer, had the right thing down. No, I believe God is simple and he wants to impact your life today, right now. And so I want to make this as practical as I can. And so I just want to give you four choices because this is your choice. If you want God's word activated in your life, it's up to you. It's your faith, your belief. And so here's the four choices. The first one is you have to choose to read it. That one's an obvious one, right? Like you probably all could have got that one. Choose to read it. That means that you, you got to pick your Bible up and read it. This is a lifeline between you and the God of the universe. But here's the thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to read the Bible in an entire year. That's good news, right? <laughs> Nowhere does it say in there that you have to read from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation in one year. You don't have to do that. But what we do want to take away is that you want to slow down. And even if it means reading one verse a day, slowing down and thinking upon it, taking that word, choosing to make a choice, I'm going to read it. I don't know if anyone in here goes to the gym, but if you want to work out or you go run around your neighborhood or do P90X in front of your TV, whatever you do, it's a choice to go and do that. You can choose to do it or you can choose not. But if you choose not, you ain't going to look like you did if you chose to do it for a year, right? It's a choice. Those of you who are in high school or in college, 
or have graduated, it's a choice to turn your homework in. It's a choice to do that test, to write that paper. You don't have to. But it's a choice that you make because you know it's going to have a greater impact in your life if you do it. And when we choose to read the word of God and you slow down, you just take what time you have and you use it. That means that if you have two minutes in the morning because you had a crazy, hectic morning, and it says you got two minutes before you go out the door, slow down. Read one Bible verse. Just on, Maybe it's like the verse of the day on the Bible app. Slow down and just take it in. If you have 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, and you want to do some study and meditation and journaling, whatever time you have, take it and use it. If it's a minute or it's an hour, choose to read the word. John 8, 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. That means that those who truly are God's, Jesus' disciples, are the ones who hold fast to his teaching. That they take it in. That there's something that separates a person who never reads the word of God and a person who does. And it's someone who's truly a disciple of Jesus. And if you want to abide in him and, and have a life activated by his word, choose to read it. Because the truth will set you free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom from the storms of life. Not that the storms won't ever come, but the effect of the storm that it will have on your life, that it will have on your mental state or your emotional state, comes through the truth and the freedom that comes with it. You can start simple and small. Start by reading your Bible just a few days a week, or just like I said, a minute or two here and there. This is why we have these, these uh, prayer Bible journal plans. You can pick one of these up in, your lo- in the lobby on the tables on your way out. That These are a simple way to have this, slip it in your Bible or, or pin it up on your, on your refrigerator, and it just follows each sermon along, and it's just four weeks. So that means that if you get off track after week two or three, Big deal, because we have a fresh one that's a whole new plan again when the next series starts. And then paired along with it is a devotional that you can go on our website that one of our church members writes the devotional that can add some emphasis of thought or prayer or encouragement to your life. That you can use this. This is why we have this for you. This is why... um, we, we have life groups, or we, why we do Rooted, that these things that we do, it's so that we can choose and to read God's word. When we read, God's word begins to shape us, change us, change our perspective, change our hearts, change our relationships with others, how we interact with others at work. It's the word of God is the little seed that gets planted in your heart daily or in your mind that grows and it fosters and changes us over time. Second thing is we have to choose to believe it. Choose to believe it. Faith is a choice. Faith is based a lot of times on relationship. Friends take their friends on their word. If you have a close trusted friend and they tell you something, 
a lot of times you feel like that's a trusted word I need to look at and take advice around. And our relationship with God, when we read the word, it's through relationship that we can trust him. It's although what we read and our life and all the things, it may not feel rational, but biblical faith is choosing to believe something is true because someone is truthful. Biblical faith is choosing to believe that something is true when we open this up and go, I'm going to believe what this says, not because of what it says, but because someone who is Jesus is truthful. And that you can place your hope, your, like we said, our living hope in Jesus because he is truthful. And that we can take him at his word. That, that means when life gets crazy, you know that you have a friend in Jesus, a father in heaven. Faith is a choice. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, uh, this is what Paul writes. He says, that is, th- that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. Not I know what I have read. I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I know whom I have believed. There was something Paul in the midst of his suffering and brokenness and imprisonment and beaten and all these things. And he goes, you know what? It's. I can be here and I can withstand the storm because I know whom I have believed. And that is Jesus. In those difficult moments when you don't know what's going on. But I believe you, Jesus. In the midst of sickness, in the midst of relationship tension, in the midst of school that even though you might not know everything or maybe you feel like you're pulled in a direction, maybe you feel like you're being called into mission work or into ministry and it's like, I don't know, this doesn't seem rational. Why would I go and do that? But you can have faith and believe because Jesus is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. Choosing to believe something is truthful because you know someone is truthful. I'm choosing to believe God's promises are true. And through that, as we believe, our faith gets enacted and something begins to shift and change. But what about doubts, right? I have doubts. You have doubts. If you never had any doubts, you wouldn't need any faith. In spite of the way things are going or feeling, I have doubts about what God's doing but I'm choosing to believe and follow you because you're faithful, you're good, you're steadfast. Recently, my wife and I, we decided to move and it was like the market's hot and things are really good and we thought like throw throw the house on the market and like after a day it sold and we had multiple offers, right? Didn't happen. And so we're wondering, we're in this place of like, oh God, what are you doing? Maybe you don't want us to move. Maybe we should stay. Maybe, you know, it was just, you start just running all the scenarios in your mind, right? And so those are going, I'm like, I'm doubting maybe if we made the right choice. I'm doubting if God really wants to bless us. I'm doubting this. And so just the other day, I come into work and we have a Monday morning prayer meeting that our staff gets together to pray for needs in the church. And I was just like, I got to stop guys. Like maybe I'm being super selfish right now. And I asked a few of, a few of uh, the uh, gals on our staff, hey, would you just pray over this? And, and so they were praying like, that 
we, we believe that God wants to bless you. We believe this. And so then we kind of end up, and we, we pray, and we all go out. We're eating lunch. And then in, like 20 minutes later, I kid you not, get a call, an offer, and we're selling. And, and it's in those times that, like, where you might have doubt that someone else can bring faith and stir up your own faith. I believe that God wants to bless you. I believe that God has a plan for you. I believe that these things are going to happen. And by another person's faith, it could even stir your own. That if we never had doubts, you never need any faith at all. We uh, write these prayers on the wall up here. And a group of people, right, who are, God, I need you. I believe that you can work. And I just want to read uh, just... I just have three here really quick that I just want to read of other people who were saying that, God, I'm choosing to believe. I might have doubts, but here we go. This one was awesome here. I don't know if front row can maybe see it, but it's just a smiley face and some squiggle marks. I think a child drew this, and I think their answered prayer was they were bored, and their parents gave them something to draw on. And they're like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I can draw, (laughs) right? It was just awesome. Hopefully their heart was encouraged. This is awesome. Here's two others. Uh, This person wrote, My parents have been living in Texas for about six plus years now. The Lord has answered my prayers, and after spending holidays apart and alone, they're able to finally move back. Smiley face. Isn't that good that God believes about and cares about the little things in our life or the things that we care so deeply about? Here's another one. I was able to pass my exams encompassing my graduate program in the midst of spiritual battles. And more importantly, God softened my heart towards my dad, allowing me to forgive him. And that's just good. That when we choose to believe that that God is at work, there's just something that starts to shift and take place. Thirdly, we have to choose to declare it. Choose to declare it. That means we speak the word of God. We say it out loud. Declare it to yourself. You got to do that. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago when I talked about the anxiety that I struggle with, you know, all the time, and how I got to read scripture to speak it to myself. And I read you the passage out of Ephesians 6. That's what happens. We have to declare God's word in the midst of our circumstances. That means that you speak things out loud. You speak scripture out loud. Who in here doesn't talk to themselves when they're alone? <laughs> That's right. No hand went up because you all do. Everyone talks to themselves. When, they're, when you're in a, the car alone or when you're in the house alone, you're weird. You're really weird. <laughs> and if, have you ever been caught talking to yourself and you didn't know someone was there? It's like getting... Be, caught like being naked or something like it's so shameful like I can't believe I was talking to myself but we all talk to ourselves don't we when I'm alone in the car when you're alone in the car when you're in your house we talk to ourselves out loud it's weird you're the weirdest human when you're alone I am too I'm strange but what we have to do and get in the habit of is when we are alone and we talk to ourselves and you have that real going through your mind, you have to get in the habit of declaring God's word over your circumstances. Instead of just beating yourself down and saying, oh gosh, you know, Nate, why did you do that? Or, or you know, we have to declare God's word because we're broken, all of us. I know that you're broken because our world is broken and I'm broken. 
The struggle is real. You have things in your life just like I do. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20. He said, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can underline this, say, speak to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Do you have a mountain in your life that needs to be moved? I know you do. Because like I said, our world is broken. And that the person on the, your left and on your right and the guy up here on the stage, we all have mountains in our life. Because there's sickness, there's death, there's, there's brokenness and tension in relationships. There's all kinds of, there's worry, there's pain, there's disease, there's, there's wars. I mean, you name it, it's there, and we are all broken, and we are all in need of a mountain being moved from here to there. But when we look at that mountain, it can seem insurmountable, like how could you ever accomplish this? And what I love is that Jesus says that if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move that mountain, and not saying if you have the faith the size of a mountain, you can move the mustard seed. Because what Jesus wants from us is our little bit of faith enacted. And when we declare it and we speak to the mountain in your life, even if it doesn't physically move, there might be a shift in your heart, in your mind, or in your spirit. That maybe your perspective changes. That where you had a perspective that you looked through life of doubt and worry, and now you look through a lens of faith and hope. And what a mountain can seem insurmountable, all of a sudden, God makes it possible to at least get through it. That when we declare our faith and we speak God's word, something begins to happen. We don't look through the lens of doubt. When you say what God says... In his word, you begin to think as God thinks. You begin to activate the word of God in your life. So that's if you're feeling anxious, Philippians 4 says that you declare, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts, minds in Christ Jesus. Are you feeling ashamed this morning? 2 Corinthians, you declare, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. You no longer have to feel shame. Are you feeling overlooked in your life? Jesus says, indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus says, I see you. You are not overlooked. I made you. You can declare that over your life. Are you feeling afraid this morning? You can declare John 14, which says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Are you feeling heartbroken this morning? Psalms 34 says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. 
He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Are you feeling lonely this morning? You can declare these words out of Deuteronomy 31, which says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can speak that to that mountain of loneliness and declare that God is good in your life and that he is with you. Are you feeling discouraged this morning? Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That mountain of discouragement, you can speak to that. Are you feeling weak this morning? You can, you can declare Isaiah 40.29 to that mountain and say, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. While my body might not have power, but my spirit and my soul does in the midst of crisis. We need to learn to declare God's word. In the midst of heartache, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of loneliness, in the midst of sickness and health and celebration, because when we declare it, something begins to happen to the mountain in front of you. We choose to read it, and we choose to believe it, and then we declare it as we speak it. The word of God was not meant to be hidden, and not meant to just be held inside. But it is a weapon against your spiritual enemy that you can use it. And the fourth thing is to choose to act on it. Choose to act on it. Live what you believe. This is where the rubber really meets the road right here. Is that you put your feet to your faith. You can say you believe with your lips, but do you live it out? Do you live it out? Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It's not enough just to hear the word. Was it interesting enough? Was it good enough today? You can hear the word on Sunday, and it can be the best word ever given but if you don't put it into practice on Monday, it's going to have no effect in your life. Because those streams will rise and the rain will come down and the storms will beat against your life. And if you don't actually act upon God's word, you are building your house upon the sand and not on the rock. Right? Like a kid um, who sits in class all day and listens to their teacher, but then never goes home and does the homework or reads the chapters or studies for the test. And then they show up on the exam day. And then what happens? You haven't done the homework. You haven't studied. You didn't read what you're supposed to read and you're presented with the test. What happens? You fail. 
And then what does an immature person usually do? They blame the teacher. Well, if they just taught better, if they just designed something different, when you never acted on the teacher's work. There's the same thing here, that when we actually act upon God's word, it strengthens us, and we're building a foundation that will uh, withstand the test of time and the storms of life. So here's five quick things on building your house upon these words, building your life upon these words. One is every one of us is building a life. Both the wise and the foolish. Building your life is inevitable. The question is, what kind of foundation are you building it upon? I don't care if you're young, old, single, married, jobless, you have a job, doesn't matter. Each and every one of us is building a life. And it, the choice is, how are you building that? What foundation are you building it upon? Are you building it upon just what the world says and what people say and grab this nugget of wisdom or that thing or this knowledge? Or are you building it on what will never fail, which is the word, how you conduct your marriage, your relationships, how you parent, how you honor people, how you uh, uh, treat the poor, the need, I mean, how you give, are you building your life on this, which will never fail? Second thing is that a storm is coming. The difference between the wise and the foolish is not that they go through trouble, but it's what choice did they make prior to going through it. What do you want your marriage to look like when it gets tested? What do you want your work life to look like when it gets tested? When you get faced with moral choices, when, you get fa- when you're faced with sickness, when you get faced with uh, abandonment or loneliness, a storm is coming. And the difference is not does the foolish or the wise go through the storm, but it's the choices they made before they went through the storm. Third thing is that a wise man actually believes a storm is coming. The foolish does not. Because the wise man understands and knows that a storm is going to hit, so I have to prepare now. I have to prepare and build my life on a solid rock because a storm is going to come and it's going to hit. A foolish person doesn't actually think a storm's going to come. So it's like, who cares what I do? Who cares how I build my life? Because I don't think a real storm is ever going to hit. A wise person actually believes a storm is coming. Fourth is the house that falls, falls when it's needed the most. Which means that if you build your house upon worldly ambition and knowledge and thought, when that storm comes, it will fall when it's needed the most. When struggle really hits, it will crumble and it will fall apart because you have not built it on what will stand the test of time. But the house that remains firm when the storm of life hits will also stand firm when it's needed the most. Lastly, 
is don't wait for the storm to start building the right foundation because it will be too late. Don't wait until you're in the midst of crisis then to say, God, I need you. The wise person says, God, I know crisis is going to come, so I need you now so that I can withstand what it's going to happen. You prove what you believe by how you behave. You know, my wife tells me every day, we've been married almost 11 years, and I don't think she's gone a day without telling me that she loves me. And I have a choice to make. I can choose to believe that. I can choose to act upon that. I can choose to declare that. But I also can choose not to. And if I chose not to believe and act upon that, what would it look like? I'd have trust issues and things would go wrong and we wouldn't be very nice to each other and all these things. But I have a choice that I can act and take her at her word and go, I know that you love me. And I just want you to know that you have a God every day that tells you he loves you and that he has truth and freedom for you and it's found in his word. And you have a choice to read that, to believe it, to declare it, and to act upon it. When you act on God's word, God's word activates inside of you. When you act on God's word, it will be active in you. You have a choice. The word of God is a sword that slays your spiritual enemy. It's a seed that brings life. It's a fountain that quenches thirst. It's a compass that points us in the right direction. It's the water, the milk, the meat, the honey. The Bible says it's the full meal. The Bible brings freedom. These are the words to live by and build your life on. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will bring you rest. He wants to do that, and you can build your life on him. Flowers fade. Grass withers. Human words will not stand the test of time, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. If this speaks to you and you feel like you need some faith, you need to, be, to believe or you need to declare or you need to start acting upon it, I want to pray with you right now. So let's do that together. God, I just pray for all of us in here. Those of us who may need faith, God, would you inspire them? Those of us who need to begin declaring your word, God, put it at the tips of our mouth, Lord. God, we pray that we'd have a hunger and a desire to read your word and take it in. God, that we might act upon it and activate your word and the power of your word in our life. God, and those of us who have a mountain in front of us, God, we are using our faith and believing that only you can really, truly affect that mountain and move it. God, and we want to exert faith, and we want to declare, God, that your promises are good, that you have a hope that we can look towards. God, and we believe that you're faithful and you're good. And we're asking you, God, to begin to move mountains because we choose to believe and declare and act on your word, God. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Feel free to grab one of these 
Bible plans on your way out there, on the, uh, on the table out there. Uh, there's one week left, and then we'll have a new one with our series. If you're new or newer here and you want to get to know us more, get involved, myself and Andrea will be right over here. We would love to talk with you, meet with you. If you're someone in need of prayer, we'll have a prayer team over here. They'd love to agree with you in prayer. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.